Hello and welcome to the Practice Shield Podcast, episode 22. Today, we're talking all things T20 World Cup and giving our predictions. Then we move on to talking about the expansion team in the NRL, the Dolphins. And then we finish off talking about the opening night of the NBA season, which is on Tuesday, Wednesday, actually. Uh, So... Yeah, can't wait to get into this episode. I'm joined today by Blaze McKay, who's brought into us by Sensho. He's providing that killer intro week in, week out. Appreciate it, man. But Blaze, how are you? I'm great, as you said. Bit of a bit of a weird time at the moment in the sporting world. Kind of, I think everything's kind of ended in the winter season, and we're waiting for this summer season to really kick off with the the T20 World Cup this week. But I think the great, the best thing is, is that the the footy season finishes and then now we've got the T20 World Cup which will take up a huge chunk and then we'll have some ashes at the end and also the NBA season as I said we'll get into uh, today at the end but what has been a bit of sport that you've enjoyed in the past week? I think you know it's always good to see the uh, the big bash the the women's big bash has just started and you know obviously it's mirrored across the men's and, and women's format so it's good to see you know teams that you recognize and, and the Sydney Thunder unfortunately went down in their first game but it, it's good to see them out and playing gotta love my Sydney Thunder but if you'd like to keep up to date on all the sports we talk about go and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at t underscore practice drill but blaze let's get straight in to our first topic which is about the t20 World Cup which started last night now the format that they're running with is is a little bit of the lower kind of B-tier international teams will play off. Four teams from that will come into the... Uh, it's basically the second round, but the proper World Cup. Um, but last night, Omar didn't even lose a wicket against Papua New Guinea. So they got a nice 10-wicket win. And Scotland beat Bangladesh by six runs. And what's interesting about this is I've actually got family that live in Scotland. And they went to one of the World Cup trial matches and Bangladesh absolutely flogged them. So they've, they've learned their lesson. They've come back and they've got a nice six-run win. Yeah, pretty strange result there. I think Bangladesh, you know, they came off beating Australia and New Zealand in some uh, series just before the World Cup. But they've obviously uh, struggled on the big stage and, and that might hurt their chances to move to the next round. But I think it's kind of exciting to see those new teams because obviously Scotland is not a very big name side and, and I guess the bigger name players get poached by a country pretty close by. Um, so, yeah, it's really exciting to see a team like Scotland beat Bangladesh who has the accolades that they've had that you mentioned. Um, but also in the build-up to the first round of the World Cup, Papua New Guinea played in Fiji, which was pretty cool to see. You know, Fiji, no one associates Fiji with cricket. Um, but cool to see both those countries on a bigger stage in a sport that they're not known for. Yeah, definitely. I remember the, the cricket fields in Fiji were just outside uh, my dad's apartment. You could actually watch from the, the balcony. So I saw them play some games there. They were playing on AstroTurf. So I think uh, it'll be a good experience for them to play on the turf wickets over there at the World Cup. And I guess they'll probably struggle throughout. You know, we saw they, they lost by 10 wickets overnight, but it, it's a pretty amazing experience for some of those guys. I can imagine for some of them it, it might be the first time that they've travelled overseas or at least that far away, and, and it's probably the only chance they, they might ever get to, to go to a country like that and, and experience something as big as a World Cup. Do you think maybe one day we'll see Fiji in this you know 
group one stage, the round one stage? I think I think that they would definitely have aims to. I think PNG at the moment has got a bit of a stranglehold over over the Pacific in terms of cricket, but I think Fiji would be probably the next next one up, and and if they can uh, put a bit of time and effort into their cricket and a bit less on the rugby, maybe they'll they'll hopefully <laughs> get there. I don't think that will ever happen. Um, so. I touched upon it just uh, before the format for this World Cup. For those who uh, may not be, uh, you know, up to date on how it's running, basically, as I mentioned, there's a round one stage. So that is eight countries that are basically a kind of B tier at the moment. Um, they play off, and two from Group A and two from Group B go through to what's being labelled as the Super Twelve, which involves the bigger countries england australia india new zealand um some of those more popular and quite awarded teams um so from that round one group what teams do you think are getting through to the super 12 yeah there's obviously some pretty recognizable sides there you know on one in one group you look at probably sri lanka and ireland who who you know ireland especially have a bit of a history of of causing some upsets at world Cups. so if they can get through to the next round which you think they would they'll they'll definitely be a threat and then in the other group you probably well you would be thinking bangladesh would be strolling through there but now that they've lost their first game they might have to settle for that second qualification spot but yeah, I think Bangladesh will, will hopefully come right and, and get through to the next round. I still think there's a chance for Bangladesh to win that group stage because Scotland and Papua New Guinea, who won their first games, aren't that strong. I think that's the end for Oman. So I think Bangladesh will still get one of those spots. So I think it's between Scotland and Papua New Guinea for who will miss out. Um, but from those eight teams, who's... Not really a smoky, but who do you think is the most dangerous out of that group? Well, you know, I got got a lot of family in Ireland, so <laughs> I'm going to have to back them boys, and, and enough, it'd be great enough. to see. You know, they've uh, had some very memorable wins over over England in particular in the past, and, and it'd be great to see them, I guess, pull off some results like that, especially against some of the the bigger powers. They love to to play England; it's it's a huge thing for Ireland, and and hopefully we see that match up again this World Cup. Yeah, for me, it's Sri Lanka because we all know what Sri Lanka can do and they've been absolutely dominant in short-form cricket for a long time. Obviously, started falling away and I just think that's due to just lack of uh, unbelievable talent, which they had, you know, Malinga and Sangakara and um, the list just goes on, really. Um, But I think they're still always going to be a threat and like you said about Ireland, that they could cause an upset once they get through to the Super 12, which I'm predicting they will. So, yeah, but on to our T20 predictions. So the predictions that we'll be running through are pretty basic. Best batter, best bowler, uh, a bit of a, a focus on the Australian side, the final four, and uh, our smoky and winner for the T20 World Cup. Now, we'll start off with best batter. I'll let you go first. Who do you think is going to be crowned the best batsman in the T20 World Cup? Yeah, so I've got uh, Glenn Maxwell. Obviously, it's a bit difficult sometimes picking the Australian guys just because they're, they're so interchangeable with their batting order, but I'd expect Glenn Maxwell to be to be in there every game and, and hopefully batting near the top, and, and he's just come off a pretty incredible IPL. I think he was in the top five run scorers there. 
scored 513 runs, an average of 42.75, and and struck it at 141.1 strike rate. So, you know, he's an incredibly dangerous player, and, and I think when he's given time in the innings, you know, and he comes in somewhere in the top four, he can be a real, you know, real dominant player, and more than just, I guess, a finisher, which is what he's a role he's kind of held in the Australian team for a few years. I think he's actually a bit better than that. Yeah, for me, the reason I didn't pick Glenn Maxwell is because I don't think he'll bat in the top four. He might bat five. Um, but what I can see maybe towards your point is starts off the comp at five. Maybe he has an innings where he might save Australia, score a nice 50-odd, and then I think that'll maybe bump him up the order to try and get him in there. Um, and steady the ship a lot more, especially if he's not throwing away his wicket. Glenn Maxwell's known for just maybe playing some outrageous shots, leaving balls onto the stumps. Um, so, yeah, hopefully he can actually have a good tournament. That'll be big for the Aussies. For me, for best batsman, I've got Rohit Sharma from India. You know, in international T20s, he's averaging 32.5, which is an amazing average to have, and has scored four centuries. And scoring a century in um, in T20 internationals is unbelievable. Like, it's it's very hard to do because the level's obviously better than IPL or Big Bash or whatever you want to play um, in those uh, T20 uh, competitions. But to do it on the big stage, and, and he's done it in World Cups before, so I have no doubt that he'll be able to replicate it um, and... I think really put India on the front foot. Uh, but best bowler, who have you got? I've gone similar with you with Rohit Sharma on the the Indian team. I've gone Jasprit Bumrah. You know, he took uh, 21 wickets at an average below 20 in the IPL. And, you know, he's a real difficult bowler. And I think he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve, which is obviously incredibly important in the, in the T20 format. And, and I just feel like if he can get on a bit of a roll... You know, in the early games, he can he can really take some big bags. You know, he's been probably a bit out of form considering what we expect from him in the last maybe 18 months. But T20 is one of those games. If you can get on a roll and, and get some form, you can be really hard to stop. And he's one of those guys for sure. Yeah, and especially in, in a tournament that's such got a such short window of playing, if you just start off well, the confidence can carry you through the rest. So I think... That's very likely that Boomer will, you know, take two or three in the first game and he can carry that through the rest of the tournament. Similarly, I'm hoping this happens. Uh, we're kind of interchanged between the two nations here. I've got Pat Cummins as the best bowler. He's taken 20 international wickets at an average of 20.6. He's just a wrecking ball when he's on fire. And I remember this is kind of once he played that test series in South Africa and then he was injured and he couldn't make it back into that squad, we would go and watch him over at the showgrounds in Sydney at, um, playing for the Thunder. Watching him bowl in person is blink, you miss it. And like when he's playing T20 cricket, arguably for me, it's his, it's his best format. I know he's amazing at test cricket, but he's played so much white ball cricket in order to get back into the red ball side for Australia that... This is kind of his bread and butter. So I'm expecting a real big tournament from him. And and even though it, he's only got 20 international wickets and you think, ah, oh, that's not that much. But he still hasn't really played that much in, uh, white ball cricket for Australia outside of Australia and touring because of those injuries and 
COVID and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully he can have a really big tournament and, and put Australia, again, as I said, like Rohit Sharma, on the front foot. Um, I want to jump through to the final four. Now, we'll base it, obviously, on Group 1 and Group 2 and who were the two best teams from that. Who have you got? For Group 1 there, I've got I've got England and Australia to go through. I yeah, think- I've got the same. You know, England in particular are really dominant white ball side. They've they've put a lot of focus into that program. I guess since they had the home uh, one day World Cup and it started to pay off both in the one day stuff and the T Twenty stuff. They're a real dangerous side. And and Australia, it might be a bit of bias considering you know we probably want them to do really well, but and they have struggled of late. But I think some of their some of their key players coming back in. You know, we've spoken about Glenn Maxwell and Pat Cummins. Those sort of guys are going to be really huge, and I think that they can get through to the final four. Whether they can go on and win it, I don't know, but I think they can definitely make those semis. Yeah, that's obviously still the question, whether Australia can win it or even make it through to the final. England, you're 100% right. They'll definitely be there. South Africa and the West Indies, who are the other confirmed teams in that Group 1 stage, and obviously they'll be... um, two teams from from the round one part of the World Cup who come through into their group. They're going to have to play well, Australia. They really are. So, um, yeah, 100% agree. Australia and England should make it through there. Um, But group two, for me, I have India and New Zealand, um, arguably the two best teams in world cricket at the moment. You could argue over every form. You know, uh, I'm pretty sure... Uh, no, India didn't win. Sorry, England are one-day champions. New Zealand are test champions. And then I think it's the West Indies who are T20 champions. But So there's obviously going to be a lot of hunger there for India to try and get their name in that conversation. And I think they rightfully deserve to be there. But them and New Zealand are just building a little bit of a rivalry that I want to see. And I'm, I'm, I think that's the game out of all of it, besides the final that I'm most excited for is that group stage game against uh, between India and New Zealand. I think that's going to be absolutely fire. But who have you got in that second group? Yeah, I've got the same as you. I think, as you say, that's going to be a really exciting game. Probably two, you know, opposing styles and approaches to cricket. You know, India, you obviously, they're superstars of the game and they look and play like that. Guys like uh, Virat Kohli, Rohit Sharma, yeah. as we've spoken about. And then on the opposite side, the Kiwis, probably more understated. Guys like Kane Williamson probably don't go about it as, you know, excitedly and aren't, aren't as good to watch, but still, you know, get their runs at, at a good click and, and do it pretty, I guess, conservatively for the for the T20 game. But, yeah, that's going to be a really exciting matchup to see who tops that pool. Yeah, it will be. I don't know who's going to win it, win that group. If I had to guess now, I'd probably say India because I think they're going to win the matchup between the two. But I don't think it'll be by much. It might be who who knows? It'll be, it'll be a close game. That's that's all I know. Um, for Smokies now, I put down Australia as my Smoky to win it, and I know that may be biased, and I have spoken about the good players that they have. But I think it's more about the fact that they have such a terrible record in. T20 cricket they I can't even say that Australia hasn't put the attention like England has into building a great white ball system because like that's 
basically all you do in juniors is you play 50 overs, a couple of T20 comps and stuff like that. So there's a lot of focus put on that limited over cricket and we still seem to struggle. So that's why I've got them as a smoky and hopefully they can do something in this World Cup because that's such a poor preparation, losing to the West Indies, losing to Bangladesh. Like They've just got to turn around and, and what a stage to do it on yeah they've definitely got to do something i think even with the big bash as well you know they've put a lot of time and effort yeah. into that and you know if they don't do really well at this world cup maybe we have to look around some of the the systems there and how we how we look at that and we could talk about it all day sorry to interrupt we could talk about it all day in terms of the teams that they pick to send to the world cup because you're right this the the big bash is really good but the players that play well in the world in the Big Bash don't always get picked to play for Australia, and that's where I'm confused. You know, you we're we're constantly picking players who don't play that much Big Bash because they're off playing Test cricket. So um, anyway, we could really talk about that all day. But I'll let you uh, tell us your Smokey. Yeah, my Smokey, the West Indies, probably yeah. the perennial Smokey of world cricket in any <laughs> any tournament. Everyone kind of comes into the tournament thinking. Are they going to be able to perform? And, and I think the classic is, you know, they've got the talent and if they can, you know, get in the right headspace and get everything moving in the same direction, they're going to be very dangerous. But, you know, some big names back for them. You know, Chris Gale, he's going to be in the yeah. top three. And, you know, I think everyone loves to see Chris Gale uh, go about his business. Whether you're a cricket fan or not, you know the name Chris Gale, the universe boss, as yeah, he likes to be yeah, known as. Yeah. He's been in the media a bit pre-tournament, you know, talking about some of the critics that he's had and he seems really determined to have a big tournament so if they can go and win it you know if they can go and win it i think chris gale will be the leading run scorer but yeah as i said it's a smoky so probably won't happen but it it is always good to see the west indies uh, play well i think a lot of international teams would say that they don't want to play the west indies because you just really don't know what you're going to get i don't even know if you can properly prepare for a match against the West Indies because Chris Gale's hard to bowl to, then middle order's hard to bowl to, and then when you go into bat, you don't know what side you're going to be facing. They're so, they're so unpredictable. Um, but winner, who have you got? I've got India. You know, we've spoken about them a lot. They've, I think, featured in probably all of our predictions so far, and the depth that they have is pretty pretty crazy and and you know they're just coming off the IPL where all of them would have played and and a lot of them have done well the other factor i think is you know as you said they they haven't won a trophy for a while and and you know guy like virat kohli is going to be really determined to to get that on his resume and i think they're just going to be a bit too bit too much depth and and a bit too strong for the rest of the teams yeah i totally agree with all your points i've got india winning the competition as well for the same points that you said, they're, they're going to be hungry to finally get, you know, some silverware. It's crazy to think that it's been a while since they have. Um, but I just think they're just peaking at the right time. They've got a great squad. Uh, as you said, Virat Kohli, it, it's kind of something that might be lacking on his resume. That is unbelievable already. So uh, it's only going to get better after they... Um, if they win the T20 World Cup. But obviously, we both want Australia to win. But that's just our uh, prediction now. For Australia in this T20 World Cup, who is the most key player for them? For me, you know, I had 
Glenn Maxwell down. You know, I've got him as the best batter. And for me, I guess the important point there is he's got a bat in the top four. I think Steve Smith will take that three spot pretty pretty clearly, but Glenn Maxwell's got to be number four. I think for too long we've we've had him down the order, but he's played in the IPL, probably the, the best tournament for T20 cricket in the world, and he's batted in the top three and four in that tournament always. And for the Stars, he's always done best when he bats three or four. So I think he's got a bat there, and then Mitch Marsh probably takes the five position, and he's going to be really important for, for them to go well this tournament. Yeah, I, I just keep thinking that they might go in the direction of Stoinis, but I'm not sure what they'll what they'll do with their batting line. I mean, obviously, Mitch Marsh had a really good build-up to this World Cup as well with some, with some great knocks. For me, it's David Warner. Like... Australia always struggle when their openers don't score. And Aaron Finch has been struggling for form as of late. And I just think if we got an old-fashioned Warner playing, I have so much confidence that Australia can go a long way in this tournament and and potentially win it. Like, if David Warner averages 40-odd, like, we're going to be in a good position because we've got Maxwell coming in, uh, potentially Stoinis if they pick him, Mitch Marsh, uh, maybe even Matthew Wade later down the order. Like there are some great bats to come after Warner, uh, but I think it all starts with the head of the snake, and uh, and yeah. So I'm predicting a good tournament from Warner, but I don't think it'll be as good as Rohit Sharma, just because I think Rohit Sharma's a little bit more consistent. Than- I think. A really interesting one there is we've, we've both selected batters and it probably shows you know how important those batters are for Australia's lineup and and probably that's the area we've really failed in in the T20 space as of late our batsmen have failed and and our bowlers have actually done a good job but yeah. they haven't had enough runs to to bowl at so I think you know whatever you think about the Australian side it, it's going to be the batsman that is going to probably determine how well they go this tournament it's very rare for an australian cricket team to struggle bowling wise it always i guess that attention kind of turns to the batting for what what's the problem um and i think you're 100 percent right it's going to come down to the that that top four in particular to really get australia off to a good first 10 overs and and hopefully we haven't lost many wickets by then Um, but on to topic number three, which is the new NRL franchise. Now, the Redcliffe Dolphins got the green light from the NRL to come into the competition in the 2023 season. Um, they've scrapped the Redcliffe name, and it's just the Dolphins. Now, I want to start off on that point. What do you think about the scrapping of the Redcliffe part? Strange or good? probably is a little bit strange considering you have the you know the established base there and, and yeah you know i'm not up there so i wouldn't know but you know you wouldn't want to i guess put those guys offside but you know maybe there's some little things there around what they had to do with their you know queensland cup sort of sides because they already have a red cliff dolphins maybe there were some legal things around that i'm not sure but for me, I probably would have kept it, but as we said, we're not in, in those uh, boardrooms making those decisions, so I'm not sure about all the details that, I guess, went into the decision. I think it's definitely got something to do with the QRL and and the fact that there is a Redcliffe side in the Q Cup, but I just think it would have been so cool, like because you see in Sydney, got suburban teams everywhere, 
why can't we why can't we have that in the NRL and in Brisbane? Sorry. Um, you already got the Brisbane Broncos. Redcliffe Dolphins would have been awesome. Now just the Dolphins or whether it's Brisbane Dolphins or whatever they end up changing it to. I'm just not I'm just not a big fan of it. I feel like it also decreases the hype around the team because it's like, oh yeah, 17 team, cool. But now it doesn't even have a location attached, so it may as well be based anywhere. Like I, I don't know. That's just that's just the way that I look on it. But Wayne Bennett appointed as coach, three year deal. What what do you think about that? Probably perfect. You know he he's done. He's had success everywhere he goes, and and I'm sure he's going to be aiming to have success here. And you know we've seen in some other codes when you when you have a startup team, it's really important that you have a, a good mentor there that. Because there's going to be a lot of young players, and and it's not so much maybe their skills at the start, but it's just their their ability to handle all the extras that go with the NRL compared to say the New South Wales Cup or the Q Cup. And, yeah. and someone like Kevin Sheedy was with the Giants and did a really good job, I guess, kickstarting their campaign, and, and they're going quite well now. So hopefully Wayne Bennett, I guess, can take a similar role with the Dolphins, and it'll probably take him a few years to to be competitive. But I think he's the perfect person to have there from the start. See, I'm, I disagree. I don't think it'll take that long for them to be competitive because of the potential players that will be off contract at the end of the year. Like, you have a look at the Titans team. Now they finished in the top eight, in the eighth spot. That team doesn't have many superstars. Like, pretty young, a lot of, uh, you know, low-tier-named players in their team. But they're able to get there because they have a few big buyers, Chino, David Fafita, um, even Jaden Campbell, who's only young, and that was his first year, and he's become a bit of a star as well in that team. The players that are up for grabs for the Dolphins, you know, Cameron Munster's been the biggest name one. A team with Cameron Munster being, you know, led around the park is always going to be competitive. So I think there's a chance probably not to be competitive for a for for a title for a comp i think it's more for a top eight spot i think they'll be able to secure that hopefully first or second season yeah i think well hopefully they are competitive straight away and and maybe that you know the nrl is probably struggling a bit more in terms of its uh, depth at the moment so that'll probably help them out yeah the quality of those bottom teams is probably not as good as it has been in the year past but I'm probably thinking more along, yeah, I guess the GWS Giants model, as I've spoken about earlier, where it takes them a few seasons to get going, and then once they get in there, they're they're really uh, hard to stop. Yeah, I guess the only difference between the regular, well, the Dolphins and the Giants is that, remember the Giants had draft picks, like players that hadn't played in the AFL, and obviously they got Israel Folau as well, who hadn't played in the AFL either. I don't think that's going to be the case with Redcliffe. Like they're going to have players that have played in the NRL for seasons. So I think there's going to be a lot of uh, veteran presence. And I don't think we're going to see many uh, first-year players in the uh, starting 17 come round one of the seasons. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the only angle that I'm seeing it from. But a question for you, Blaze: Good call or bad call to add a 17th, a 17th team? I think I'm probably more leaning on I probably wouldn't have done it myself. You know, there's all the chat about whether the NRL has enough enough uh, depth to fill 16 teams, let alone 17. And I think that the evidence from this year's tournament is probably that 
there wasn't. But having said that, now that they've made the decision to add an extra team, I think the Dolphins was the right call just because of some of the reasons we spoke about earlier with the established base and, and everything like that. So I probably wouldn't have added the team, but I think the addition of the Dolphins out of the few teams that they had available to them is probably the right call. Yeah, I agree. I just, especially about it being, you know, probably not the time. Like the depth this year was kind of crazy and whether that had to do with a few of the rule changes, who knows? It, it once, once it came to finals time, we got some cracking games where, you know, even the Panthers, for example, they went the long road to winning that premiership and, and all four of their games were as entertaining as the last. So, um, I just I still have concerns about the bottom sides and and obviously a route that wasn't really explored, which is has been done in the AFL, is putting a team that's already there into a new location. Now, whether it's a struggling team in Sydney like the West Tigers, um, they could have been moved. But I understand the the tradition and and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, that's happened in the AFL and they're still you know, thriving and, and even for the Swans, for, for example, you see when they play at the MCG, the, the amount of fans that are there from uh, the South Melbourne days. So um, I don't know, just something they could have thought about a little more. But come 2023, uh, there'll be obviously the Dolphins in there as the 17th team and they're going to have to poach players from other teams. From November 1st, this year, they'll be allowed to talk and negotiate with players who come off contract at the end of the 2022 season. The main one that's been spoken about, I spoke about it just before, is Cameron Munster. Now, obviously, he's a player that they should target, but outside of that, who do you think are a couple of players they should target as well? Yeah, I guess, well, first of all, you'd be looking at your key positions really in the spine. Obviously, yeah. Munster would cover probably the halves, and then maybe you're looking at a hooker, fullback type role. Yeah. In terms of Fullbacks, I'd be looking at someone who can be a face of your franchise and, and probably Kalen Pong is the big name to stand out. Obviously a young young player and, and really popular, both you know within rugby league and you know just across Australia in general. Yeah. He's probably, you know, he's at the Knights, his mate Connor Watson's just left there and, and they're struggling a bit. So he might be looking at, to kind of leave there. He's obviously a Queensland boy from further up north but he he might you know love to relocate back there i'd be looking at definitely him or if you can't get him maybe someone like a a Jaden campbell you mentioned earlier someone again even younger who can who can be a real franchise player and and i think that storyline might be quite cool obviously his dad went to the titans when they first started and and was one of their kind of best players at the start so that could be a a cool storyline if they if they go down that line well, I think it would be, but I'm pretty sure Jan Campbell just signed a three-year deal um, and the Titans kind of secured him, I think, because of that threat as well that you brought up. So obviously that would have been amazing. I'm, I agree with you. It's definitely the spine they've got to shore up. At the hooker position, to add on to that, I'd probably have Harry Grant. And what uh, Ponga-Munster-Grant combo kind of looks to me is that Melbourne Storm trio, you know, Obviously, Slater, Cronk, Smith, all played for Queensland. Grant, Ponga, Munster, all played for Queensland. You could really start something special there. So if I'm the Dolphins, those are the three players I'm going for. And honestly, I don't think it matters who you get around them. As long as you get some uh, 
really solid role players that are um, quite experienced in their position or just do the the little things uh, right, which is maybe missed tackles, post contact meters. Um, you look to get some of those players for around you know two hundred to four hundred k. Um, and then just you know splash some money because I think when it comes to Ponga, it's going to be a bidding war between Union, the Knights, and maybe the Dolphins that will all be at, uh, going after him. And I think highest bidder is going to get him. So I think that falls into Union's lap. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. You're obviously a big Union fan. Has, has there been much talk about Ponga? Um, on the un- in the union world, it's probably one of those stories that I guess drops in and out of the news cycle, and and probably it comes around when he's got coming towards the end of his contract. I think over in New Zealand there is, you know, I guess a fair bit of hype to see just how he would go because obviously, you know, he's an incredibly talented player and, and played rugby union at school, but on the other hand, you know, they've got a lot of good players over there, so. I think when he when he comes definitely towards the end of his contract that those chats will definitely ramp up. Yeah, again. oh, 100%. There'll be article after article on it. Uh, but on to our final topic today. The NBA season opens uh, on Wednesday, Australian time. Two absolute amazing games to watch. We've got the Nets and Bucks to start off. Uh, obviously, the Bucks, the reigning champions, the Nets have that big three or looking like a big two at the moment. Uh, and then the Warriors and Lakers to follow that game. Now, basing off preseason games, pretty interesting. Warriors beat the Lakers 111 to 99, which is a huge win without Steph Curry. And the Lakers had Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, and LeBron James playing, which is insane. Uh, they just couldn't get it going. and But the Nets beat the Bucks in preseason by four points, 119 to 115. They did have Durant and Harden, but the Bucks didn't have uh, Kumpo, Middleton, or Holiday. So really not too much you can take away from that, but there are little things whereas you can be like, okay, well, the Bucks lost by four points and they didn't have their big three players, so if they were there, that's a win for the Bucks. Uh, the Warriors beat the Lakers without Steph Curry. If they have Steph Curry there, they win by more. So it's uh, pretty interesting. Uh, but all four of those sides are definitely championship contenders. Who do you think is who's going to win the chip this year? For me, you know, I'm a Lakers fan, so I'm yep. a bit biased in that regard. But, you know, first of all, I just want to say, make sure you guys uh, give a listen to the first episode of, of Around the Key. I thought you and Ben uh, started off really strongly and actually broke down all four of these sides because, you know, they're going to be there or thereabouts. Yeah. I think the Lakers, you know, some of their guys, you guys, uh, I think, said it really well. They're going to be really motivated to, you know, drive their legacy. Guys like Russell Westbrook looking to get his first ring and then LeBron James looking to, you know, edge closer to Michael Jordan. Um, You know, you guys also spoke about they're probably going to have a slow start, so I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe lose this opening game to the Warriors, but you know, come good towards the end of the season and make a real good push in the postseason. Yeah, we definitely do believe, uh, and we spoke about it on around the keys, you said that the Lakers are going to get off to a slow start. And it was for a few reasons. And the main one was when you look at Westbrook's impact on teams that are either newly put together. So when he was in Oklahoma City and Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, who's now his teammate again, joined the Thunder, they got off to a slow start. When he went to the Houston Rockets, off to a slow start. 
Wizards as well off to a slow start. Um, but the key thing is that he always makes it through to the playoffs. And obviously the Lakers are going to be there. They're going to be a high seed. But yeah, to start off the season, they, they will be a little bit slow. And they'll obviously be working on that chemistry. Because uh, the only one that's really um, uh, known to the group is Davis and James, who have won a championship together. So um, yeah, I still think opening night, though, it's a huge occasion. Home game for the Lakers. I think they'll... I think they'll get the win. I think it'll be a absolutely entertaining game, but I think it's after that that they'll start maybe fading off and, and maybe winning every second game for a bit and just keeping at about a 500 record. Um, but as I said, that's my prediction for Lakers-Warriors. You reckon Warriors will win that first game? Yeah, I've got the Warriors. And what about Nets-Bucks? Should be interesting, especially a lot of uh, background noise in Brooklyn. Uh, again, spoke about it on Around the Key. Go listen to it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Obviously, Kyrie Irving may not be available for that first game, and we're kind of predicting that he won't be, uh, even though he only needs to be vaccinated once to play. He doesn't even need to be fully vaccinated. Um, who's winning that game? I've got the Bucks, As you said, the, the Nets, are, you know, obviously they've got a, a few superstars there, but I think they're going to be infected in, in some way by by all that chat there. And I think the Bucks are also going to be pretty determined to come out and probably make a statement early in the season yeah. just to let everyone know, you know, they're the champions and they're going to be, you know, fighting for it again this season. Yeah, well, both games look absolutely outstanding. Really hard to pick a winner in both games. So can't wait for the season to get underway. It's obviously uh, one of my favorite leagues around the world. But that will do us for episode 22 of the Practice Drill podcast. We got through a lot. Can't wait for the T20 World Cup to get underway in Australia to, to start playing their matches. Can't wait for the NBA and obviously waiting for the news to unravel about who uh, the Dolphins target for their opening season in 2023. But Blaze, thanks for joining me today. So good to do it in person again. And uh, look forward to next week. Easy.